0: Dr. Rina here. I'm a global dental specialist and founder of RW Perio, located at 75 Harley Street. Welcome to season three of my podcast, Life and Smile, where we talk about everything dental, lifestyle, business and much more. Every episode, I'm joining conversation with a specialist expert in their chosen field who gives us a behind-the-scenes glimpse into their daily regime, career turning points, and an insider look at what they can't live without. As a businesswoman myself, it's so inspiring to hear how people have built their careers and shattered those glass ceilings. This third season is sponsored by Colgate. Committed to sustainability, they're obviously a household name, and as a dental expert, they're my personal fail-safe go-to to ensure my smell is always looking and feeling its healthiest. So, let's get the conversation going. In this season of Life and Smile, I particularly wanted to focus on the idea of a lifestyle approach. And it has been so inspiring to hear the often contrasting day-to-day routines of how leaders across multiple industries make it work on a day-to-day basis. Today, we turn to the luxury industry, where there is one name that needs no introduction, of course. As a renowned luxury expert with a Chinese and English background, Peony Lim is an instantly recognizable figure and source of inspiration within the global fashion and lifestyle industry. Describing herself on her Instagram to 102K dedicated followers and counting as a mama of girls, she is now mainly located between London and Cornwall. And I'm so delighted that she has joined me here today at 75 Harley Street. So, Peony, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Life and Smile. Thanks so much for having me. So let's rewind back to the beginning. So you first studied fashion promotion at London University of Art and then graduated with a first class degree in art history from the Courtauld Institute. And it was after being photographed by street art photographers outside your university in 2009 that everything began. And it wasn't long before you were featured in the Sunday Times, Style, Grazia, Asos Magazine, Tatler, Lucky, uh, uh, um, Glamour, to name a few. Um, so talk us through those early years of how it all started out and then how your career progressed from there.
1: It's so funny because recently I've been having a clear out of my house and I found all the photographs wow. from that era <laughs> of kind of being a student and, and starting yeah. blogs and I, it's it feels like a long time ago now, um, and I think after you've had children, you have a different view on your twenties. Sure. Um, but it was it was a really amazing time for the industry in general. I think it was it was the first time that digital was a space that you could create on, really, that yeah. was potential for earning capacity, for career trajectory. That it was, you know, a dawning of a new era, really. Um, and I completely fell into it. I'd love to say that I had like some kind of foresight that this was going to be <laughs> yeah. a thing. But I, I genuinely fell into it. I didn't read blogs. And, right. and most of the early bloggers read blogs. And so that's kind of how they started themselves because they were fans. And I didn't. I think my identity growing up was always really style focused. And funny enough, I was thinking about it this morning because I, I although I was academically successful and, and creatively successful as a student, sure. I don't think I ever felt that I was whereas the thing that I felt confidence in was my aesthetic and my taste and that really dictated kind of what I projected out into the world so embracing an industry where they um, praised me for that and that was all they saw I think that really allowed me to grow and show the best side of me and the most confident side of me which I think is really important at the beginning of your career that you back yourself
0: for sure because
1: there's a big fake it before you make it element at the beginning of all careers so I think that was kind of Really important to the beginning for me, um, and I was really lucky that I was picked up by a series of photographers that at the time um, went on to be kind of the spokespeople for street style and and that movement at the time. So people like Vanessa Jackman, Tommy Ton, um, Phil O. You know, a lot of them still work today. Um, they they regularly took my picture which made, then meant that they signed to Vogue and then I was in Vogue and you know so right. that really was what propelled me it was a whole movement together and at that time there were only maybe internationally 10 or 12 girls maximum who were creators and influencers and not editors that made it onto those pages and were recognizable internationally of course today you know, you can't throw a Fendi without hitting a blogger, Absolutely, but it was a yeah. very different time then. Yeah. Um, and, and I think really that dictated my career was being kind of one of the first and it being genuinely authentic to what I wore and I always wore luxury. And we forget, but, you know, kind of 10, 15 years ago, grunge was still quite a thing. Yes. You know, that kind of dirty shortage look was really still kind of prevalent and cool. And I didn't wear that. I I wore and still wear quite classic clothing. Yeah. Um, and I think I stood out I remember reading reviews of my style in different magazines where they'd say you know she stands up and stands out in kind of a pool of grunge type thing because I was very polished and that was my teeth my hair my everything it was everything um and and I think that's probably still my aesthetic so it it was important to be true to myself I think in those early stages
0: Yeah, I mean, I love that, It's the fact that you've got to back yourself, Um, and even though academically you did super well, um, this is what you felt was always your kind of, um, you know, felt right to to do what you were doing. Um, And then did it just sort of, how did it, you know, go on from there? What what happened next? So I think it was all quite timely, the kind
1: of peak in... In my coverage coincided with me graduating. And yep. I always knew I wanted to go into fashion, but I actually thought I wanted to go into retail and like right. buying maybe or something like that yeah. or styling. And um, it, blogging kind of fell into my lap. And, and some of the other photographers said, why don't you start your own blog? Um, and that summer I did. And I had a contract with Revlon. Funnily enough, a beauty brand was my first contract right. in the first month of having that site, which in at that time to kind of be commercially yeah. viable from the beginning was... Um, so unusual, so unusual, and all of the contracts at that t- time came out of America, because the UK was really behind, as yeah. lots of countries were, with investing yeah. financially in in the digital space. And so, for I would say the first three years, all of my contracts came out of the states.
0: Nice. How did it feel like it must have been quite daunting doing something completely different and you're one of the first people who are, who are blogging, etc. Um, I remember when I got not, nothing like you, but I got a, a small dental blog, one of my mentors, when everyone started kind of we blog on the dental industry and no one was doing it initially and I was one of the first people to it and I was like, what am I doing? And you, you, you often have haters thinking, like, what are you actually doing? Um, how did it feel for you like at the beginning, like doing something so true to you, but really unique in, in the world?
1: I've been really lucky, I think, in that I've not ever experienced high levels of online criticism or, or trolling or any of that kind of negative side. I've I've always stood by you. You put out is what you get back, and I don't criticize. And I, choose, yeah. if I don't like something, I choose not to speak about it rather than to slate it. Yes. Um. And I and I think that because it was professional from the beginning, I didn't overpersonalize things. Everything yeah. was about the creative rather than about me. So I think I was quite protected from that. But funnily enough, because the industry was so burgeoning, um, it was a lot more the social conversations, which maybe some of your listeners can relate to, where other people don't really get what you're doing and they kind of think you've made the job up and how is this financing? You'd get all the questions of but how do you make money? How much money do you make? How many followers do you have? It was all very numerical and transactional. And you would never go up to an accountant and be like, what do you make in your first year? And yet, if you're in a new industry, people feel they have a right to that information and, and to you sharing it, um, like you need to prove it to them in some yeah. way. And I think that was quite toughening up for me. It's quite, it grew me up quickly yep, to have yep. to stand on my own and be like, no, this is going to be a thing and yep. I back myself and it's going to happen. And, um, but I would say even for close family, it took maybe four or five years for them to fully be like oh actually what she's done is is hard and lots of girls can't do this or yes. you know lots of people yeah. in general can't break through that um so I, I think it, it did take time though
0: yeah no it makes sense um and you've got what a you know amazing successful career um if you were looking back and you, you know you're giving some advice to your younger self or those who are um embarking on that journey for their own now obviously the landscape is completely different now but what kind of pieces of advice would you give to them
1: it's all about the content in MySpace. It is 99% what you're creating. So you need to leave space to do that. Everything else is second. You can't, like any career, you can't chase the paycheck or the glamour. You know, I think for a lot of people going into the industry now, they want the recognition or they want the freebies or they want to be fa- Insta-famous or they want to go viral or they want to make a lot of money. And those are not In any career, the driver like that isn't going to have enough grip for you. You have to feel passionate about what you're doing. And and 90% of your time is going to be spent content creating. So if you don't want to do that and you find that difficult, it's not the space for you. So, you know, find a way to create that encourages your creativity, that um, represents you authentically. And don't worry about whether it's part of a wider trend or, or viral movement because... Because it's already happening means it won't happen forever, right? It's, you're Correct. already in the middle of a wave. You need to break something new. You need to yeah. represent yourself. Yeah. And you also need to find a niche now. The industry is so big and yes. the digital and social media space is so huge. You're not dropping into a small pond anymore. You're dropping into an enormous ocean. So yeah. you need to find an audience that speaks specifically yeah. to your interests. Um, and that's harder now. So you have to have a point of view.
0: For sure, so being ahead of the wave um, and uh, yeah, um, knowing what's going on in the industry, which is constantly changing, I guess. Um, so both, as you said, actually, both the commercial and editorial landscapes have dramatically changed over the past decade. And now there's this kind of demand for instant news accessibility, really fast-paced content. Um, everything's changing per second. Um in the time of your career things have probably changed quite a lot but what would you say has been your proudest moment to date um and are there any kind of life goals still on your your agenda
1: oh gosh that's so (laughs) hard isn't it um i think there are always new goals there are always i would love to do i had a jewelry line and i'd love to do more product lines because i think um to see a product through to fruition is so rewarding um so definitely there's lots of things that I would still like to do in terms of writing and books and yeah there's, there's lots but um, in terms of the things that I've done up until now that I'm most proud of I think um, the work that I'm the most proud of the projects that I look back on and I think are timeless and still say something creatively right. rather than you know jobs that I made money on or like you know events that I was invited to that rubbed my ego ultimately, that doesn't make me feel good long term. What makes me feel good long term is looking back on my work and being proud of the quality of yes. what I've done, so you know editorial shoots i've I've done with couture brands or you know things like that where ten years on, I still think they say something
0: yeah, yeah, makes complete sense um So bringing now to your kind of day-to-day routine, as you said, you were involved in quite a lot of things. Um, I mean, firstly, what inspires you? And because obviously at the beginning, you were one of the first key people to do what you were doing so unique. So then what did you use as inspiration then? And what do you use as inspiration now? Do you have like a mentor or someone in the industry that you turn to or a book that you read or what keeps you going? Because you're always so, you know, it's inspiring watching and you're clearly inspired with, with what you do.
1: I think you cannot be self-employed and not have a kind of natural driver. You've got to be yeah. one of those people that's not, I'm not going to say workaholic because that's such a negative <laughs> term, but you've got to be a super efficient person that doesn't need encouraging in in work, right? Because you can't sit down in your home office and just start painting your nails. You'll never get anything yeah. done. I'm, I think I'm naturally very goal-driven and very organized. So I find the kind of... Um, regular day-to-day stuff of running a business fine, that comes naturally to me. Um, I think the staying inspired and staying energized and making sure that you don't kind of get depleted by an industry that can take a lot from you and I think has taken a lot from a lot of the girls that have been doing it as long as me and myself included. Um, I think that in order to do that requires uh, a gap between what you see as yourself in your personal life and what you see as yourself professionally okay and I think that's probably in most industries that you know you go into your office and you have a different kind of version of yourself that's efficient in that space and then there's a slightly different version of yourself at home that um, interacts in a non-commercial way yeah and and I think for me that's been really important to separate out the days that I spend with my children Um, I have two young kids and um, to make sure that I prioritize that time and and the relationship that I have with them while they're still neither of them are at school yet they're still little so you know to have that time and to literally have days of the week that are split up it suits my personality better and then to have working days where I can kind of fully immerse myself in work and be that version of myself um, that helps me to be able to focus and achieve the things that I need to do but I also have had a lot of therapy since having my second daughter um, so she's a year old now. And I, I wasn't really very therapized before, but I knew between having children that it was something I wanted to work on because I have two girls. And I thought, you know, it's very easy to spill across anything that you have as a woman onto your daughters. And I don't want to do that or I want to at least yeah. kind of limit how much I yeah. do that. Um, so it was something, even though I wasn't kind of in crisis, that I wanted to work on through after having my second and I think in doing that process it's a very kind of holistic type of therapy that I do with energy work and meditation and stuff um it it helps me to kind of zone into the things that naturally come to me and are clearly more my gifts and not focus on criticizing the things that aren't. Right. And then you feed back into what we were saying before of like playing to your strengths. Yes. And I think sometimes within the digital space, it's easy to criticize yourself, whether you're a viewer or a creator, yep. it's very easy to pick apart yourself and, and it ultimately becomes like a kind of comparison game, that space, yep. which is super negative. Um, And I think if you're able to see something as inspiring rather than a reflection of your negatives, that's when you know you're in the sweet spot. Sure. And I find that that has definitely helped me to make um, more controlled choices about the content that I absorb and that helps my creative process.
0: Yeah that's really fantastic advice even in like the dental space we have um uh obviously de- dental profiles which are not as glamorous as yours but you have lots of before and after photos and often like young dentists they're graduating and they're just like oh god i'm not i'm not good enough i can't produce these glamorous before and after cases and i always say to them as well like use it as inspiration don't use it as comparison as like a negative because it can be a, i mean i know people who have quit dentistry because they think they're not good enough and it can be um as you said you have to be so careful with that space and i I love it you're using it um, uh, positively and picking things that help you grow rather than um, uh, in a negative way I think
1: I use platforms now sorry I think I use platforms now in a way that is um closer to how blogs used to be and I think it's because I have that heritage digitally so I actually mute a lot of creators and I still view their content but I choose to view it I choose to click on their profile and be aware of when I'm absorbing it and that in that way I kind of remove the um passive yes viewing yeah where you're not aware but it's affecting your taste and it's affecting how you view yourself and I think just taking that control back to how you are aware you're picking up a magazine you know we in in our youth you knew you were looking at it right and you could stop now it's just kind of blasted at you everywhere yeah so you know the platforms give you the tools to do that don't feel guilty about controlling what you see when you see it like you're still going to look at it you're still going to enjoy it but on your terms
0: yeah that's really clever. I love it. You're, you're going on to their profiles when you want to rather than it coming to you. Love it. You mentioned about like your week. So you have certain dedicated days, of family, certain work. Yeah. work. How, how do you do that? Is it like set days during the week? Yeah, it's literally yeah, really structured. Like, yeah. yeah, two
1: days that are fully children <laughs> right. and family life and three days that are fully
0: working life. And during those days, do you have like set times where you do certain like things, like videos, etc., or set times where, or is it is it fluid depending on projects you're working on? Or so I try
1: and um, schedule in content creation days yep. where I literally am just creating and editing content, and I'm not taking any meetings because it's really easy to just be out taking meetings nonstop, and then your content falls by the wayside because you're not able to or attending events or whatever it is. Yes. Um, so I literally schedule in. Uh, the content creation because it's the most important part. It's more important than the meetings.
0: Yeah, and probably the hardest part as well. Yep. <laughs> um, so you've worked with you know multi-industry projects, lots of different uh, topics: luxury, fashion, best of culture, food, travel, beauty, with that true lifestyle approach. Do you have any personal favourite topics that you like being involved in, or anything? Any projects that have really stood out over the years um, that have been like really hugely impactful?
1: Um, I've done a lot of consulting work in-house for big corporations um, and, you know, spoken at their conferences and kind of advised them on best practice digital work and stuff. And um, that's really rewarding because you can actually see a difference to how they're behaving and you know as a mixed race person how they represent minority and you know you can actually make a difference to how they speak to the market and how young women will experience brands and products which you know affects all of us um so that's super rewarding uh I also think that um travel is also super exciting everyone loves the travel side it's really hard work it's not as glamorous as it obviously we are paid paid to make it look good yeah but you know you're jet lagged you're tired you're getting up for a 6 a.m yoga to make it look good it's it's not um it's not glamorous (laughs) but it is beautiful to see new cultures and have new experiences and I also feel like travel something post-covid that people really invest in
0: for sure and
1: I want to be able to say I 100% back that recommendation I'm not basing it on TripAdvisor photos that I've seen I've been there I've experienced the staff it was worth your thousand pounds you know yeah yeah um and I and I do have a real conscience about what I promote because it's everyone's hard-earned cash ultimately that they're handing over based on your recommendation
0: yeah no for sure I think that point when you're saying everything being truly authentic um and that quality content seems to to stand out um for sure so you're you're usually between London and Cornwall right um <laughs> do you know what or, I, when you said that I was like
1: gosh my life has changed Cause <laughs> I feel like my caption used to read London and the world because I traveled so yeah, much yeah. and now I'm like in the country <laughs> or I'm in London yeah I mean Now, obviously, travel's opened up again a bit, but we we mostly spend our time between, yeah, the seaside and and London. And obviously, the girls love the beach. Yeah. And I find it creatively really refreshing to leave the city and be in my own space and recharge and just the change in colours that you see. And, you know, it's not even that I necessarily create more content there, but it refreshes me to come back and and do it.
0: Close your mind as well. Yeah. Um, Any favourite spots in London that you like hanging around in or...?
1: I do you know what? I think I'm such a neighborhood rat I just love you know London is a series of villages yeah, isn't it and, for you, sure. and you live in your village and, <laughs> and love it and with work I'm obviously always in the central but um I live in RBKC and I, I just love that area and yeah. it's um we're, we're really lucky in London that you can live in somewhere that really represents who you are as a person yes um and and fully immerse in, in an experience I think a lot of other
0: cities don't offer that so and London true. really does um, so and as I'm you really said, lucky. every what you say, village as such is, is so different as well, isn't it? Um, so no, it's so lucky to be in a city like that. Um, so one final question we always ask our guests: so if you had three things, um, either in your, I guess, your handbag or your desk when you're working, as part of your like mini survival kit um what would they be okay you're gonna love
1: one of them I'm, I'm gonna show it to you in a minute it's a metal toothpick set oh right that they're I got decile. from Amazon because I we were saying I've got permanent retainers it absolutely drives me wild if there gets food, food stuck or little okay. seeds or whatever yeah. down the back of it and nobody wants to be like picking their teeth so I was like just invest in the, and I found all the plasticky ones they just didn't stay clean in your in your bag and they I don't know yeah. it wasn't for me so it's a little metal tube on a keyring. I literally okay. keep it and you can sterilize I have a baby sterilizer still yep. so yep. it gets sterilized in there <laughs> um and that is an absolute must for me I also lip balm I cannot yeah. live without lip balm <laughs> it just I'm not a big beauty person in my bag like I have Basically, a lipstick, a lip balm, and a concealer. That's it. I don't carry any other makeup. Okay. Um, and lip balm is probably the one. It's in every coat pocket, every everything, <laughs> because I get really dry lips, and I hate it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so that and I just do love AirPods Pro yes yes. I know it's so basic but it makes my life better so I love them on the tube shut the world out listen to your podcast or your music Yeah, and it's just a better use of time for me I think so I do sometimes feel guilty when you're like with the kids and just
0: noise cancelling headphones noise cancelling headphones I love it yeah even when you're not listening to music it's really great to like zone out on um, I know a lot of uh, people that just use them actually when they don't have anything playing just to be
1: like so that people won't speak to me kind of thing because it does just kind of (laughs) it's a bit like a face mask isn't it it just creates a little barrier if you want to be in your own zone yeah it's
0: a good way to do it I was talking to a friend about it the other day about um, noise canceling headphones and or just headphones in general um like you were saying with the social media there's constant even with noise it's constantly bombarding us especially in the city exactly and you sometimes don't realize so having that kind of barrier um That's another uh, podcast episode in itself. So I know you're super busy. So thank you so much um, for coming to Holly Street. It's been such a pleasure um, speaking with you. And I'm sure all the listeners will find it equally as inspiring. Um, Any latest projects or things coming up? Where can the listeners follow you? And um, find anything exciting that we can um, keep tabs on?
1: um my I'm still best on Instagram and um that's kind of where you find the most from yep. me and I'm really excited next week I'm hosting it's coming up for Chinese New Year and I yes. am hosting a dinner next week which amazing. will be so, oh, so exciting I, I, any excuse
0: to eat with your friends basically <laughs> is
1: food is like my life so. oh you look forward <laughs> so to the pictures
0: yeah. um amazing thank you so much again
1: thanks for having me